welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. are starting a short two-part series uh, called Clean. And I know it's not a Christmas series, uh, but I just felt so strong to do this series. Uh, it was while we were singing the song Clean that our church wrote, um, I, I just had this thought and I haven't been able to shake it for months and months and months. And I just felt like the Lord said, you need to preach this message, so I'm going to do it. And then we'll have a Christmas series for a couple weeks. And of course, Christmas Eve. And uh, I just want to stop for just a moment and celebrate what God did last week. Uh, what an what a amazing weekend, talking about the power of healing, amazing message, and really talking about uh, God defying the odds and, and giving us our breakthrough. And uh, I want all the campuses to get in on this. I felt this so strong during worship, during this past service. I felt God just really give me a, a word, if you will, a word for our church that last week wasn't a peak moment that it just stays back there, but it's a wave moment that builds. I really believe that. It just, it isn't a peak moment where back there, like last week it was healing. If you missed it, you're out. No, it was a wave. God was calling us up, if you will, prophetically to what his word says and asking us to live at a higher level. And I don't believe we're going backwards from there. I believe we're going on and upwards from there. How many believe that and agree with that? Let's thank God for what he did last week and let's build on that this week and say, God, keep doing it, do it again. Now, the uh, song that our, our team wrote called Clean, it has deep words, deep words about being clean. And I love the, the way that they write. Uh, our, our team did it. It was uh, Clinton, who's at our Crosstown campus, Evan at the Shakopee, uh, of course, Ryan at Apple Valley, who's really over all of our worship, and then Wes, who's at our St. Paul campus. So you see, it really was a team effort as they wrote that song. There's just such deep words there. And, and, and I want to dig into this and look at what the Old Testament in the Bible, what the Old Testament says about being clean. And then in the New Testament, once Jesus comes on the scene, what does the Bible say about clean? If we're going to sing a song like that in our church and it's going to resonate and it's going to be there, let's take it to a deeper level uh, in our lives and as we sing it and as we live it out. And I'm just praying that we'll dig deeper, we'll see more, and we'll love God greater as we look at this. Now, the Bible is very clear. I mean, if you read the Bible, it's very clear that we are not clean. We are not clean. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also says in Proverbs 20, verse 9, who can say I have cleansed my heart, I'm pure from my sin? Not me. I mean, I can't say, I can't do it myself. I can't say that. I know that I'm not clean. And I want to explain a few words. And, and some of you say like, well, that's an elementary word, but I really want to explain it because we use the word sin. And I don't think sin is talked about enough anymore. 
I think that sin is not talked about enough. I don't think enough churches preach about sin. I think we almost think like uh, people are really amazing, great people, and they don't sin, but they need a Savior. But I don't know what they need a Savior from. We need a Savior from our sin, okay? We are really, really evil people with a lot of sins, and sins are things when we miss the mark. It really comes from an archery term, like where people are saying the arrow didn't hit the mark, it missed the bullseye. But that's kind of complex for us to understand. So let me give you something. When we fail to achieve what God intended and designed, it's sin. So when we fail to achieve, when we fail to live up to what God intended and how he designed, it's sin. And we've fallen short of the righteousness, the glory of God, the perfectness of God, because he's perfect, he's good, he's righteous, he's holy. And so his standard is so high and we have sinned, we've, we've fallen so short of it. And every time we fall short of it, we're sinning. And it's like, okay, God, we need help with this. We don't live the way you want us to live. We don't live the way you created us to live. We don't live anywhere near the level that you live. We've fallen short and we need to be forgiven of our sins. But how many are glad that the Bible promises us that we can be forgiven of our sins? I mean, it'd be terrible for me to present a problem and say, see you later, you're all doomed, you know. Thank God he doesn't leave us there. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Catch it there. It's even the word clean in a way, purify. He's gonna purify us. He's gonna cleanse us. And so we're sinful people. We're, we're dirty people. We fall so short of how amazing he is and we need to be clean. We need to be clean. So let me look at the lyrics and we'll look at the word of God today. Um, but the lyrics are just beautiful. It says, Jesus, Messiah, the rose of Calvary, trampled beauty, your blood poured out for me. I'm mean, just telling you, as we do this series for two weeks, these lyrics are just going to come more alive to you. And it says, with a sound, grace echoed through the skies. It is finished, the cry of love divine. Oh, what measure of love could cleanse this broken heart of mine? Oh, what bountiful grace would come that death be satisfied? I am clean. I am clean. White as the snowfall, my scarlet stains erase, undeserving but laden with your grace. Like that, that verse right there, whichever the four or all four of you that wrote that, that's awesome right there, all right? He says, I see the cross and empty grave. I hear the chains unraveling, the power of perfect love, my Savior and all he's done. And with a shout of victory, there's nothing holding me. This is my freedom song, my Savior and all he's done. And without tipping it off too much in the series, like that, that bridge that's there in that song, I mean, that's just totally New Testament. That's, that's right there with Hebrews saying, hey, I know that I'm free. I'm not just covered. I, I'm free and I'm living differently because I know that I'm free. And he says, now I live, eyes open to the sun, no more running, I'm home in perfect love, I'm clean. I mean, great song. I almost want to sing it right now. I am clean. I, mean, I just feel like, but we, we'll do it. All right, we'll do it in worship. If you look at mankind, there is a desire to be clean. How many know that just, we like to be clean? Most of us. All right, most of us like to be clean. You're like, not the guy I'm sitting next to, but everybody else, everybody else. How many know we get dirty and we just want to be clean? You, you, you get dirty at work, you want to clean your hands. How many know you get dirty with recreation, you want to clean your hands, you want to clean yourself? How many know if you go on a global team and you go on to a real tough one, 
Like Beck and I went on one to Thailand and we went back to refugees back in the jungle where we brought them food and supplies and, and we had to go through a stream like up to our waist. I remember looking at Becca going, I don't think I told her about that, you know, and, 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 and we, it was mud and it was like 100 degrees. And we were just sweating and dripping and, and it, was, it was just one of those. And then when we got to that hotel that night, how many know that shower felt amazing, amazing. It just, you're getting clean and you're getting white. We just, we just want to get clean. How many know that when you pick up clothes and, and they're clean, you even smell them, you're like, ah, oh, it just smells clean. Smells good, smells good. I, 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 want, how many, I want a clean restaurant. How many agree with me on that one? How many check the bathroom and you go and check the bathroom to see if it's clean, if you should eat there? I remember we were on a, another global team. I've got a lot of dirty stories on global teams, but uh, um, I was on a global team and we, we saw the restaurant and it was the, the best one there and, and the kids were with us and we went to pray over the food and Logan goes, really pray over this one. Really, like really pray. You're like, pray, okay. We want it clean. Okay, I'll, I'll confess I am clean person. Um, I travel with Clorox wipes for the hotel. Um, I go in and I wipe down the door handles, the phone. I wipe down the remote control. I just, there's just something about it. Some of you are like, that's a phobia. No, I talked to a hotel manager. They said, that's good common sense. All right, so. <laughs> but how many know there's clean has different levels of clean? My clean may not be your clean. And your clean may not be their clean or that, you know, it's all different. You know, uh, one man's clean is another man's dirty, okay? And uh, we have different things that we've tried to help us cope with clean. How many know about the five-second rule? Five-second rule. Falls on the floor, five seconds. Now, I'm not advising that, okay? There's been studies shown that germs don't need five seconds to get on there, all right? But, you know, it, it's amazing that when broccoli falls on the floor, you're like, oh, it's dirty. When a cookie falls, you're like, hey, five-second rule, you know, five seconds, it's still good, you know, so. In third world countries, clean to them means no piles of garbage in our vicinity, okay? How many know your room as a kid, you said it was clean, but how many know there's mom clean? There's another level, all right? And, and I've realized this, the older I get, the more I realize that there are higher levels of clean, as a kid, I'd come in from outside. I'd be like, hey, uh, I want to eat. I want to eat. And, and my mom would say, wash your hands. I'm like, why? They're not dirty, you know? The other day I was greeting somebody in church and they went, hey, Pastor Rob, like that. I said, hey, come here, give me a hug. I was like, I'm not, I'm not shaking. I just, I said, we got a hug, you know? Plus don't do that. All right, you know, I bring Clorox to the hotel room. Remember, okay. So the kids, but how many know teens, you realize there's another level of clean? And how many know that you backslide college years, you forget about clean? And then you come back to clean and you become an adult and you realize there's clean. And then you become a parent of a child and you realize there's a level of clean, but it doesn't stop there. How many know that doctors know there's a higher level of clean than even we do? I thank God that doctors have a higher level of clean that they're down to the lowest level. They're like, we want this completely sterile. We want this sanitized. There's a higher level of clean than kid clean, teen clean, mom clean, dad clean. I mean, okay, doctor clean. We're getting there. But there's a higher level of clean that the Bible talks about, and it's God's clean. God clean. He's so much cleaner. He's so much holier. And, and we just, we think that we're clean. Proverbs 16.2 says, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. God's like, I'm cleaning even down to the level of your motive. 
You think you're doing the right thing. I'm, I, I, there's a level of clean as you serve me, as you stand before me. I'm looking down at your very heart. My level of clean is so high. The Bible talks about God's level of, be, of clean so high that even the good things we do don't measure up. Isaiah 64, 6 says, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Think about that. He doesn't say all of your unrighteous acts. He says all of your good things, even your good things that you're doing, like presenting the very best that you could do, still falls short of how clean God is. I mean, when you see that, you would think like, how in the world are we ever going to make it? He sees every germ of sin, if you will. I mean, I can't even handle like the thought of like germs I can't see. And could you imagine seeing the germ of sin, seeing every sin, every shortfall that every one of us, all of humanity has like, and you think God sees it all, knows it all. I mean, if I could see every sin and if I could see every wrong and every evil on this earth, I'd probably say something like this, like get a match. Get a match, let's call it a day. This place is corrupt. This place is infected. And yet God doesn't say that when he sees the sinfulness of this world. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. An amazing thing. God doesn't say burn this place up. He says, let me clean this place up. Let me clean this place up. Let's reason together. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to destroy. I want to I clean you up. I don't want to destroy you. I want to get you forgiven. And he sends his son into this earth without a hazmat material, you know, without a hazmat suit. And he's like, you're going to live in this sinful world. You're going to be there with all those sinful people, but you're going to pay the price for them. And all that sin of this world that you could see and that I could see, God speaking to his son, he's like, it's going to be placed on you and you're going to make the, the perfect sacrifice and you're going to help them to be clean. How many know God is amazing? God is incredible. We should just thank God. Let's just take a moment and thank God where we are for how great you are, how amazing you are. You're amazing. Wow. So before Jesus comes on the scene in the Old Testament, God had a, a chosen people, the Jewish people, and the Jewish people had to be clean in everything they did. They had to be clean in their marriage on who they could marry because he said, I want you to be clean. I want you to stay in the Jewish uh, faith and the Jewish nationality. And ultimately someday I'm gonna have my Messiah born out of you. Jesus will come from you. All right, so you got to stay clean in your marriage. You got to stay clean in the things you eat. You got to stay clean in your hygiene. You got to stay clean morally. And he had all these things. And in case you read your Bible and you look at the Old Testament before Jesus gets here, that's called the Old Testament. There were moral laws, there were civil and political laws, and there were ceremonial laws. The moral laws, those are just good for all time. Those are good moral things. Like don't commit adultery. It's like, it's a moral law. Like that's a good thing, whether it was before Jesus or after. Then there's civil and political laws that were like given to Israel or the Jewish people as a nation state that just they had to obey. And then there were ceremonial laws and these, those ceremonial laws were pointing to Jesus. We don't have to obey those ceremonial laws anymore, but they were pointing to Jesus. So they had all these things to, to be clean and they're trying to stay clean. And they, most things started out clean, but they could get unclean in, in just a hurry. I mean, they just, I mean, a person could just get unclean in a matter of, like you get a skin disease. 
You have a rash, you're unclean. You know, you eat the wrong food, you're unclean. You uh, touch something dead, a dead animal, unclean. You have somebody in your family die in your proximity or anyone die in your proximity, unclean. You, you just want to be kind and you help someone move a, a, a body out of their home, like say they had a relative die, and you just help them, unclean, seven days, you're unclean. Do you see how quick you have a bug land on you? Unclean, all right? Imagine you go on a prayer walk, you're like, God, I just love you. I was like, oh, unclean. Oh, man. I mean, you could barely make it all the time. It's amazing. They had so many things that were unclean. And it could be unclean for a day, unclean for seven days, unclean, unclean, unclean. And they're just walking around, unclean, unclean. A rabbit runs on their trail. Unclean animal, now unclean. Think about it. Unclean all the time. And so they're, they're just constantly realizing how clean God is and how unclean they were, okay? And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think we talk about sin enough. Like, we are really sinful people. We are really, we, we, we can be in church and have sin. You know, we're praying, and, and I won't name all the sins that can happen during prayer, but all of a sudden you see somebody like, oh, I don't stand, I can't stand, oh, sorry, Lord, you know. And you're praying, and you got issue with somebody over there, and then all of a sudden you're like praying, and all of a sudden you're like, well, look what they're wearing. And then you're envying, and you got grief. How many know? You, you, we, we, we're trying to do spirit, and we're unclean. It's just amazing. So they're constantly unclean, 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 unclean. All these things are happening, unclean, unclean. And they're wondering, I, I need to be cleaned. I need to be cleaned. I mean, I could see where somebody could say cleanliness is next to godliness after reading the Old Testament, you know, which that's not in the Bible. Did you know that? That's not in there. That's just, I mean, you could kind of make sense, but it's not in there, all right? So they're unclean. And when they were unclean, they couldn't go into the sanctuary and worship God. So imagine that you're planning to go to worship tomorrow. And all of a sudden, your neighbor has someone pass away, and you walk out, you say, how you doing? And you, and, you, and you get near him, and you bump into him, and he's like, ah, I forgot to tell you, we had somebody die in the family, I'm unclean for seven days. Now you're unclean, because anybody that was unclean also polluted everyone else around them. So they made everything they touched unclean, their tent, their clothes, their friends. I mean, okay, so you've got, now you can't go worship. You're like, sorry, family, I can't go. Don't touch me. Go to church. Get, you, know, you see what I'm saying? That's the life they're living, unclean. They couldn't worship God. And on top of that, we have leprosy, which was symbolic of sin, which was really unclean. In Leviticus 13, verse 45, it says, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing, leave their hair uncombed, and they must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So they're like, I'm unclean. I cannot be around you. And so God sets up sacrifices and ways for them to become clean again. Thank God that he's like, okay, I'm not just going to make you live there unclean, 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 stay away. You never get to worship. You know, he's like, there's a, a plan for you to get clean. All right. So he has two things that predominantly are there for them to be clean. One is on the day of atonement. It was one time a year and they would sacrifice one goat and they would lay hands on the other one and the other one was called the scapegoat and they would place all the sins on the scapegoat and then drive it out. And one time a year they'd say like, all your sins are placed on the scapegoat. Have you ever heard that at work? Like, don't make me the scapegoat, all right? Don't put the blame on me. That's what was happening. They, they were saying all the blame, all the sin were placed on the scapegoat and they were moving it out in the wilderness on the day of atonement and your sins are gone. But the people would be like, okay, apparently the goat got him. I'm not sure how it works. You know, again, all right, 
And then he had another thing. He would have the red heifer. Okay, now, for those of you that are new to church, you're like, wow, he's really going into a bunch of things. I, I, I want to explain this. It's a two-part series. We're going to look at Old Testament clean and, and New Testament clean, all right? But in the Old Testament, in order for them to get clean, remember, like, touch a body, unclean, rabbit, unclean, bug, unclean. Like, how do I get clean again? How do I get clean? So God had a, a thing that they would do. They would burn a red heifer and they would sacrifice this animal. And this was pointing, again, remember, pointing to Jesus. They didn't understand it, but they just knew they had to do this. And so in Numbers 19, I'm going to read it. It's rather lengthy, but I'll read it. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is a requirement of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the Israelites to bring you a red heifer without defect or blemish that has never been under a yoke. Give it to Eleazar the priest. It's to be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Then Eleazar the priest is to take some of its blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tent of meeting. While he watches, the heifer is to be burned. It's hide, flesh, blood, and intestines. The priest is to take some cedarwood, hyssop, and scarlet wool and throw them onto the burning heifer. After that, the priest must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water that he may come into the camp, but he will be ceremonially unclean until evening. The man who burns it must also wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he too will be unclean till evening. Got a lot of unclean. Now listen to this. Then a man who is clean shall gather up all the ashes of the heifer and put them in a ceremonial clean place outside the camp. They are to be kept by the Israelite community for use in the water of cleansing. It's for purification from sin. Okay, now I'm going to explain this as, as quick as I can. A couple similarities. The, the, the red heifer was sacrificed outside the camp. Jesus was crucified outside the city. Okay, they took the whole offering and sacrificed it. Jesus laid down his life, his whole life and sacrifice. Uh, they, interesting, they would take this red heifer and they'd say these ashes are gonna be for the future sins. Have you ever wondered how Jesus could forgive you of your sins, past, present, and future? So it was symbolic. Here they are, there's this, this pile of ashes and we're gonna use that to help you get clean, all right? It's an interesting thing. Uh, they didn't clean themselves. They would have somebody else go and do it and they would do it and, and we don't clean ourselves. Jesus cleans us. It's interesting. A lot of religions try to clean themselves. Have you noticed that? Baha'i, Buddhist, uh, Hindu, they go in the Ganges River and they want to bathe and they've got to, interesting, they're trying to cleanse themselves. Thank God Christianity says you don't have to cleanse yourself. Jesus cleanses you. Okay, Muslims, they're cleansing themselves before they go and pray. They wash their hands, they wash their feet, they wash their nostrils, they're doing cleansing. They're, they're doing part of this to get close. And God's like, All right, I got you taken care of. I've got you clean. I, I've already taken care of this. Now back to the red heifer. So they have these ashes that are there. And what they would do is they would have this pile of ashes out there. And whenever the ashes would run low, they'd sacrifice another red heifer and they'd put another pile of ashes there. And whenever somebody would be, you know, ceremonially unclean, whether something happened where they had a skin problem, whether they ate the wrong food, whether they had a bug land on them, they, they accidentally ate rabbit stew, you know, you see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden they'd be unclean. And so they would have to call a clean person and say, will you go into the pile of ashes and get some ashes, put it into a cup of water, stir it up, and then put it on me, put it on my tent, put it on my clothes, put it on, so that I can get clean again. Somebody else had to do it, not them. Somebody else would have to do it, again, to go and get them clean. You can imagine all this and going on, and you'd, you'd talk to this person like, so how does it work? How does it work that you get that you get clean and, and you get taken care of. He's like, I, I don't know. 
There's like an ash pile. We, we, we sacrifice the red heifer. Um, it's pointing to something in the future. I don't know what it is, but there's a pile of ashes there. And I ask a clean person to get it. And then they do it and they help me out. Then they're unclean for a day and then we're good. And they're like, do you, do you, do you feel clean? Do you feel really clean? No, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just know I'm, do, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing, but I don't know that I feel fully clean. But I'm doing the right thing. And so ceremonial, I, I'm clean, but I, I, I don't feel clean. Can you understand what's going on right now? And he's, and he's not, again, I really don't even know how it works. I just know that they do it and it's good. And I got to remember, I'm unclean, God's clean, and I don't get it. So fast forward with me to Hebrews. And this would make sense. If you ever do your devotion time, your soap, your scripture, observation, application, prayer, and you read some of these passages and you're like, I don't understand the red heifer and the thing and all this. If, if, you, if you dig deeper, you'll see how it connects. And here's one from Hebrews. Hebrews 10.4, it says, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The writer of Hebrews is remembering the, the sacrifices that he's like, it's impossible for them to take away sins. And then he says this in Hebrews 9, he says, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer, there it is, sprinkled on those who are ceremonial unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. He's saying, guys, they had this pile of ashes and they had the thing and they were unclean and they realized God, them, and they had to put the ashes on them. And he's saying, but guys, it, Jesus is so much better than the red heifer. Jesus isn't, it, it's, it's different. And he gives so many things here that are incredible. He says, who through the eternal spirit, he's saying, guess what? The, the red heifer was just a physical animal touching you on the outside, but Jesus was spiritually touching you on the inside. Wow. He's like, on the inside, you're clean. So when somebody's really forgiven and they ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins, you don't go out of there like, well, I think it worked. I hope it worked. How many know, man, you feel cleansed. You feel purified. You, you may even cry. You, and you're like, I just, I, the weight of that is gone. And he's saying it's so much better. But then he's saying this, he's saying, Jesus offered himself. He, he willingly went to the cross. The red heifer was like, here I come. What do I, I don't know. I'm just being led there. There's no, Jesus is like, I love you enough so much that I'm laying down my life for you. I'm being proactive towards you even while you are evil and full of sin. Wow. And he's, and he's, and he's saying that it's amazing. And then he says, it cleanses our consciences. Man, there's something about leaving after you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins that your conscience is made clear. And how many know that when you sin again, and we will, we'll sin again. We don't intend to, but we live in a world that's so full of sin and we'll sin maybe on the way out of the parking lot. You're like, you're you. And then you're like, oh man, where's the red heifer? Oh, you know, thank God we don't need that, right? And so, but then he says, he will, he will cleanse your conscience so that when you say, God, I'm sorry for that, how many know it's like a reset? It's reset. And in that reset, you're back in full communion. You're not hiding from God. You're embracing the things of God. You're just like, all right, God, I'm sorry. Reset. Fighting with my wife. Reset. How many know? Okay, a little envious. Reset. I confess. And God, I ask you to clean my conscience so that I can do what? So that I can serve the living God. 
He's not like, hey, just be happy and be sitting around, be happy that you're, that you're forgiven, which we are thrilled that we're forgiven. But he's like, you're forgiven and your conscience is made clean so that you can serve the living God. You can do something for him. I mean, I don't know how somebody goes around serving when you're like, I'm dirty, I'm unclean, I'm dirty. Everything I touch is dirty, I'm dirty. All you're doing is trying not to be dirty. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, guess what? It's no longer about not being dirty. It's about Jesus making you really clean. And then when you're really clean, get on mission for him and go do something for him. Go live for him and live clean. What a great way to live with all your life, with all your heart, and to say, I'm clean. I'm clean. I thank God that we're clean. I thank God that we no longer have the Old Testament way to have the sacrifices and the ashes and all that. I thank God for that. I, I thank God that it pointed towards Jesus. And now that we have Jesus, we know that when we call upon his name to be saved, we're forgiven. We're made clean, not just on the outside, but on the inside, into the heart, into the spirit, into your conscience. And you're like, man, I'm living clean for Jesus. Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? I'm on mission for you. I want to make a difference. Man, we love the one that cleanses us from our sins because the great sacrifice that he's made. And I'm praying, God, we will realize we're clean. We are clean in Jesus Christ. So God, I'm praying right now for our church to grab this. It's so beautiful that our, our worship team wrote this wonderful song and they talked about being clean and about the cross paying the price and the, the grave being empty and the chains falling off. And I pray that we'd see that picture in our mind when we ask you to forgive us. And I thank you, God, that, that you made a way for us to be clean. And I thank you that we don't have to have the ash heap anymore and, and struggle through that. But instead, one time the sacrifice was made, Jesus, you paid the price. And while those people just walked away saying, yeah, I, it works because they said, we say it works because we know. It works because we know. Because we know that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We know that we've been forgiven. And we thank you, God, that we can live clean. God, I'm praying that many people would say yes to you throughout this series. And I'm praying, God, that as we say yes to you, then we'll say, God, may we serve you. May we live for you. May we do something for your glory because you've cleansed us and you've helped us to live in a way that can make a difference for you. Thank you, God. We are clean. We are clean because of the sacrifice you made. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.